I want to talk about togetherness and connecting in particular. And I want to ask you an important question. Are you connected? More specifically, where are you connected? Now, most people are connected to others somehow. Think about what's wrapping up this weekend in San Antonio. Fiesta! Fiesta is a huge togetherness event for the community. And isn't this better than Fiesta, being here in church? Amen? Being here to celebrate. Nothing wrong with Fiesta. But there's lots of great get-togethers, a lot of connecting going on. Families come together. Many of you connect with other people through your sports, work activities, service projects, events at kids' schools, even social media is a way that we connect. But there are so many things pulling on us and wanting our time. And where do you spend most of your time? For those with children or grandchildren especially, think about this. Where your time is spent directly influences your children, your grandchildren, your family. What are they seeing in you? What would they say is most important to you? And especially, this is a great question to ask the young kids, the young grandkids. Ask them for their perspective. What are our family values? You might get some interesting responses. What is most important to our family? It may surprise you because they have a different perspective on things and it may cause you to to question and really evaluate where you're spending your time. And as we're thinking about where to be connected, I want to challenge you today to specifically examine where you are on what I call the scale of connectedness to your church family, to other Christians. So you see the scale here. Some of you are on the scale of not connected. But now, since you're here today, all of you at least qualify for a one. Okay, so you're a step ahead already. Nobody's in the zero category because you're at least here. But, you know, are you somewhere in the middle? Are you at the other end of the scale? Where are you today? And I challenge you to think about where you fit in. Where is your family today on your connectedness to your church family? Because the Bible gives us many reasons why we should connect with other Christians or the body of Christ. Now, hear me carefully. I'm not just saying that we should only hang out with other Christians. That's not my point. We're not meant to be an exclusive group trying to exclude others or keep others out. But I contend today and I challenge you that our strongest relationships should be with other Christians. That's where the foundation should be. The Bible even says when a marriage relationship should not be unequally unequally yoked with other people that you should have the same belief system. You should have the same goals in moving forward and serving Christ. And so the Scripture shows us as that as we build others up, as we build each other up, we can be stronger to go out into the world to be able to minister to others and be able to share the good news of Jesus Christ. So let's look at what the Bible has to say about where we should be spending our time. I'm going to go in the book of Hebrews, chapter 10. I'm going to go through a section uh, starting with verse 19 in chapter 10. And it points out here that God calls us to connect with other believers. Now the end of Hebrews chapter 10 where I'm starting here, is the culmination of some very detailed teaching throughout the book of Hebrews, starting in chapter 4 and moving up into, verse, into chapter 10, about the meaning of the sacrifice of Jesus' body as a sacrifice once and for all, for all of our sins. I really encourage you to go in and do some good scripture study this week to be able to see that detailed description leading up to this passage. And this passage is just the culmination. Now, the book of Hebrews was written specifically to Jewish Christians at the time. So Hebrews, the Hebrew people, the Jewish people. And so it uses a lot of vivid language that they would have been able to relate to about the temple, 
culture and the sacrificial culture and the system of priests and sacrifices there and how Christ the Messiah, the Savior of the world, became our ultimate high priest in their language and allowed us to have access to our Father God. And it clearly states that His sacrifice enables us to be forgiven for all our sins. Amen? That that's the main point of what it's all about, that that sacrifice once and for all says that you can be made new. You can become a new person, a new start, a fresh start, and be made new. And with Good Friday and Easter fresh in our minds, let the impact of that sacrifice sink in. That sacrifice broke down all barriers and was one sacrifice for all time. The old law with a system of rituals and sacrifices was gone, and we have a new covenant through Jesus Christ. So Hebrews 10, 19 through 21, just to start out here, says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, open for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God. And let's pause there for a moment. The writer of Hebrews, in these few words, describes the amazing rights and privileges that we have been granted by accepting Jesus Christ and making Him Lord of our lives. We just have to acknowledge His sacrifice and accept it. And sometimes we don't fully realize what privileges that we have been given. We don't know what's out there. There's so many people that may make an initial commitment to following Christ, but they don't go further and realize the abundant life that Jesus has for us and all the rights that we have and the doors that it opens for us in following Him. But let's look at privilege. What is that? Privilege, as children of the Father, we have certain privileges. We have access. We can go to the throne room anytime. Now, some may remember pictures of President John Kennedy, or maybe if you're younger, seen that in history books about he was uh, well known for being, he was one of the younger presidents, and he had little kids running around the Oval Office, and there's a really cute picture of his young son, John John, peeking out through underneath the desk in the Oval Office. You know, they had special access young kids, to go in the Oval Office, the American throne room, so to speak, to be able to have access to their father any time that they wanted. Not, not just anybody can go in there, very heavily protected. But why is that? Because they had a relationship with the Father. And as we have a relationship with the Father, we have access. We don't have to wait on anybody. We don't have to ask for permission. It says, come to me directly. Amen? That He is there with an open door, and that was only made possible through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And as the verse says, therefore, the therefore refers to what came before in the passage. Here is the culmination of what it was talking about at Jesus' sacrifice. Since, meaning because of what Christ did and what His sacrifice represents, we can have these privileges. Here's three primary privileges that He gives us. Now these are in your notes. If you have the Westover app, you're able to follow along in the notes or look in our website. And it's up on the screen. Number one, mentioned already, Christ gave us forgiveness of sins. That's the most amazing privilege right there, the bottom line, that Christ sacrificed Himself in our place once and for all. He gave us His grace. Number two is that we have direct access to God. His sacrifice gave us direct access to God. Now let me open up the Scriptures to you a little bit here. In here it mentions the most holy place. Just a brief description. In the temple worship, the most holy place was where the high priest only went once a year. It was where the physical Ark of the Covenant resided, the presence of God in a very holy place. P 
People could not just go and enter that. And it had a curtain or a veil that was put up in front of that. And it says, Christ's body which was broken for us represents the curtain or the veil that was torn apart. And it's mentioned in Scripture when it talks about His death and re- death on the cross, about how the veil was torn and it was opened up that we can see everything. God has made available to us everything through the sacrifice and the very vivid imagery here in the Scripture. And then again, number three, how Jesus intercedes for us. Now, intercede, intercessor, what does that mean? That means He is our go-between. He is our mediator. He is our representative to go to God on our behalf and that He will be there to plead for us, to help us, even to carry us sometimes because sometimes we need help as we mentioned during the prayer time that God is there to fight battles for us and we can rely on His Son, Jesus Christ, through that gift of salvation to carry us and lead us into the throne room. But as much as we have privileges, sometimes people abuse those privileges or don't appreciate those privileges. All of us have seen spoiled kids, individuals who were given everything with no discipline, and they don't appreciate the access they have if they never knew what it was to be, what it was like to be denied something. But those of us who were once lost in sin and separated from God should be extremely thankful for what God has done through Jesus Christ. And in this passage of Scripture, God calls us to respond in very specific ways because with privilege and rights come responsibilities. Even in our government classes, in American government, studying democracy, it talks about, yes, we have certain rights. There's even a Bill of Rights. But with that comes responsibility. People aren't free just to go act however they wish. We have to learn how to work together and to come together for a common good in there. And so God encourages us saying that, yes, I give you these privileges, but here are some responses that I am looking to looking for from you. And it should come out of a thankful heart in thanking God for what He's done. So I'm going to go through these. These are what we call our proper responses to these privileges. Now there's an interesting device used here by the writer. In the next four verses, the writer uses the phrase, let us, five times. So we're going to focus on those let us phrases. And the first one is, let us draw near to God. That's in verse 22. Draw near to God. What does that mean? We did some of that already today, right? That's worshiping God. Praising Him, drawing near to Him, thanking Him, praying to Him, building that relationship with Him. That's drawing near to God. And it says, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart, with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Now, that is very great imagery there as well. And what it's talking about where we are sprinkled, not talking about sprinkling type of baptism, but the priest, when they would sacrifice animals, would take the blood of the animal and literally sprinkle it upon the altar, sprinkle it upon people's heads, bodies, and hands even too, as a means of communicating God's grace has been given to them, sacrificed. And we have Jesus' blood, something that we often take for granted as Christians, but the blood of Jesus was that sacrifice and provided that cleansing for us to replace what happened in that sacrificial system. Jesus' blood is given to us once and for all. And then it also talks about cleansing us from a guilty conscience, having our bodies washed with pure water. What is that talking about? There was ceremonial washing that the priests had to do before going to complete their service in the temple. And that is similar to our water baptism. Our water baptism came out of that too, instituted by John the Baptist and then Jesus. 
as something that's important for us to do as an evidence, a symbol of that cleansing work, again, that God has done. So through the blood, through the washing of water, makes us whole again and very easy to see that imagery and a reminder. And baptism is just that constant reminder of, again, God's presence with us, announcing to the world that we are a follower of Christ and only He can make us truly righteous. So the second one, in verse 23, let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess. Unswervingly. Look at that word for a moment. Interesting word choice, and that's just in the English version. But, okay, what is the opposite of unswervingly? Uh, Swervingly. Okay, pretty obvious. (laughs) What image comes to mind if somebody is swerving? Hmm. Driving. That's what comes to my mind. If somebody's swerving, usually they're driving and they're not staying on the right path. And why do people swerve? Well, sometimes it's to avoid an obstacle, to stay out of the way. Sometimes it's because they become distracted on the road. Let somebody or something take their attention off of the road, off of the goal of where they're going. And it says, hold on, meaning grabbing on, unswervingly, not swaying to the right or to the left, staying on the path, keeping focused on what our purpose is here in life about Holding unswervingly to what? To the hope that we profess. Hold on to hope. Hope is what keeps people going when there is nothing else going right in life. And all throughout life, throughout, the, throughout history, what has kept Christians going is that we have the hope of eternal life. That there is a life beyond this life. And this life is not all there is. Amen? That there is something else to look forward to. It says, hold on to that hope. So the third one is, let us... Spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Now look, there it is. The San Antonio Spurs are mentioned in the Bible. It's in there. Right there. Spur one another on. You're going to remember that, right? You know, and the Spurs, the Spurs game is a great place to connect with others. If anybody's purchased playoff tickets already, I'm open to attending with you. Just let, talk to me after the service. Be glad to go. Kim's not a big fan, but I'll go. Okay. <laughs> but... unswervingly spur one another on towards what? Towards love and good deeds. Now, spur has an interesting connotation. You cowboys and cowgirls out there, you know, a spur is something that is not really pleasant for the horse that gets the spur, but it's something that is meant to prod the horse, to spur a horse, to get down the road, to get down the road faster. And so as we spur one another on, it indicates continuous action. It indicates motion, moving forward. It's something that should be done continuously and regularly. And we have to consider, as it says in the Scripture, how we can do this for each other to continually spur one another on. Now think about how much it means when someone else supports us. Hopefully we all have at least one friend or family member when nobody else seems to be caring about us or loving us, that they will come and wrap their arms around us and say, hey, it's going to be okay to encourage us. And even when we feel like we don't have that one person, Jesus Christ is there to be our friend, to be our encourager, to spur us on, and to be our example to be able to love others and reach out to others. So the fourth one here, the fourth let us, there's two of them actually in verse 25. The first one is not give up meeting together. Now I propose this is one of the clearest passages to understand in the Bible. You don't need a preacher. You don't need an interpreter. It says, let us not give up meeting together. Pretty simple, right? You already got that done today, right? We're coming together. We're meeting together. And what does that mean? We come together because 
It regularly strengthens us. You know, we have, we've settled in in the Christian world about generally once a week is worship time, but we offer many opportunities here too. You know, it just means regularly. Worship can happen any day of the week. It can happen any day of the week. This is our main worship setting. But this is one reason the church developed. It provides us the mean to, means to get together regularly and learn more about God, to strengthen our faith, to develop strong, healthy relationships. Now, an interesting caveat here, at the end of that phrase, it says, Let's, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Now, what does that mean? It means that some people, even just a few years after Christ was physically on the earth, some people got out of the habit of meeting together. And that's hard to fathom. That even you think they have still lots of excitement and encouragement going on there too, but some people maybe got complacent. Some people forgot what the freshness of that new relationship with Christ with Christ was all about. They thought they could do it on their own and forgot. And so it's an encouragement to say, don't forget, keep meeting together with one another. And then the second part of this is, let us encourage one another. And that's related to the other thoughts, of course. But sometimes we need someone to coach us in life, telling us it's going to be okay to empathize with us. And it says, let us encourage one another all the more as you see the day approaching. And that's a sense of urgency there. So what does it mean when it says the day? In the English versions, it's capitalized there. When it says the day capitalized, that is talking about the day of judgment. A specific point in time that's yet to happen in the future, referred to in the book of Revelation, that this is when Christ is coming again. All Christians, all people on earth will be judged for their actions, for how they serve Christ or do not serve Christ. And it says, keep it fresh in your minds that Christ is coming again. And this was written just a few years after Christ was on the earth. They were even then looking expectantly to that day, the day when Christ would come back to rescue them. And so keep moving forward. Keep encouraging one another. Spurring one another on because Christ is going to come back anytime and you need to be ready. Be ready to receive Him and bring as many others with you as you can. So we've talked about basically that we are better together. Encouraging is part of being better together, another, another one of our core values. And verses 24 and 25 are about as straightforward as you can get, a charge to connect with others in our Christian community because the fact is we need each other. We can't function with each other. Sometimes we think we can do it alone, but eventually there comes a time when we sink into loneliness or depression that we need other people to come and get us out of that and lift us up. It's in our nature. There's many studies that have even shown the health benefits of positive relationships in our lives. Now, sometimes we avoid relationships because we get hurt, and we don't want to come back to that. And I've said often that relationships are so important. They give us our highest highs in life. You know what I'm talking about. When you've had a good relationship, oh, it is good. Everything is just sunny and rosy. People write songs about it. But relationships also give us our lowest lows. And why is that? Because relationships are important. Because broken relationships make us feel disconnected. They make us feel lonely and it brings us down. And so we need to be doing all we can to be building those positive relationships in our Christian family, our church family, is one way to be able to do that. And so here... At Westover Hills Assembly, we can help you connect. We have developed many programs, activities to be able to 
plug you in and help you connect because our world is full of busyness. There are many things competing for our time. You know, we get busy on Saturdays and then feel we need to rest on Sundays sometimes and it's easy just to put God in a corner and think, you know, He'll understand. He knows we have busy lives. You know, I spent a little time with my family this week. I prayed a couple times at dinner. You know, I'm good. Relationship, you know, God will understand if I miss church every once in a while. Well, of course, we're not legalistic about it. It does say to come regularly, but there's a purpose in that. It's not just us saying, hey, come to us because we want to brag about how many people are in this building. We truly believe, Pastor Jim believes, we have a mission. We have a mission to build the body of Christ up so we can be powerful to go reach our community for Jesus. And it's got to start somewhere, and it's got to start here. And so I want to share just some basic things, some ways to help you connect, to move up the scale. And the more connected you are to each other, the stronger you're going to be to face life every day and to reach out to others. Number one, we have a ministry for every member of the family. There is no reason to say there's nothing for me. We have from the nursery to preschool. Those kids in preschool, early elementary, elementary are getting taught the Word of God. They are praying. They are praying for their families while they're in there. They are getting fed. We have great student ministries that meet across the street in, our, in the Boulevard Worship Center. The high school services, middle school services rival anything we have in here. They have full worship teams, first impressions teams, so the kids aren't just sitting in their seat. They are participating. They are active in worship. They are raising their hands. They are honoring God, getting filled with the Holy Spirit. And that is happening all the time, regular basis. We have other, the young adult service, the young adult focus on Wednesday nights. If you haven't ever attended a Wednesday night service, come in here. Pastor Mike and the team preach the Word of God. It's a young adult focus, but all are welcome to be able to come. That's where we celebrate other life events and celebrations. We celebrate baptisms. We celebrate communion. We celebrate baby dedications during that time and a wonderful opportunity for worship. We have adult services. We have senior adult services or what we call the classic service. Pastor Rick Gonzalez and his wife Bertie, they lead a great team of of senior adults, those who are a little advanced in age, or feel, you know, at least connect with that group. They meet every Sunday at 9 o'clock in room 201 in this facility. And again, a great opportunity to connect with other folks. But many of them attend that service and are right here with us today in this service because there's just so much opportunity. They just love the Lord and want to soak it in and be a part of that. Number two, way to connect. We have the opportunity to join a life group. We've talked a lot about this this year. We're still developing that program. If you're still not familiar with how to join a group, whether either through our app or through our website, talk to me, talk to any of our staff, the information table. Talk to folks about how to join a group and get involved because those are those opportunities, a small group or a life group in people's homes to be able to develop those solid relationships, wrap your arms around somebody else. People are there to care for you and you can care for others. Now, in order to have life groups, the next point, we need people to lead life groups. Because if we don't have people to lead, there will be no places for others to connect in those small groups. So I encourage you to think about dedicating your time, your home, your resources to leading a life group. And we're going to train you. We have an opportunity that's going to be now the third Sunday of every month. The third Sunday of every month, life group leader training. The next opportunity is coming up on May 21st. It'll be Sunday in room 204. Rick Hawk and his team, the Growing Strategy team, are going to lead you through everything you need to know. Or if you just want to check out and find out what it's all about, we will give you all the tools you need. You don't have to necessarily lead study. You don't have to be a theologian. Just be there to facilitate and guide along the way. And that's a great opportunity to connect, help others to connect. Then 
Hopefully you've heard by now about the Next Steps class. That's an opportunity that I lead. My team and Eric Hilliard and the Next Steps team are there to help accelerate your journey here at Westover Hills. We say, start here or go anywhere. And that's an opportunity to learn more about the church, of who we are, where we're going, share the vision of the church, the core values, to learn about uh, the growing opportunities, classes, activities. There is so much going on, much more than happens in this room. I encourage you to find out what's going on in other places, other times. And the Next Steps class is one of those places, if you haven't been there already, to be able to start. We can help get you plugged in to put another core value into action about save people, serve people, be able to find out what your gifts are to be able to serve others and fulfill your purpose in life. And we want to help accelerate your journey along the way. And you don't have to try out. You can be a walk-on. You know, we're going to give you the skills that you need to be able to be successful here and to connect with others and lead others here at Westover Hills. And so that's just one of the ways, the many ways to open the doors to help you to move up the scale of connectedness. Just keep that firmly in your mind. Now I'm going to ask my wife Kim to join me right now. Uh, we're going to talk just a little bit. She's going to talk mainly about our journey in the military. Some of you know already I served uh, for over 20 years as an army chaplain. Went many places around the country, around the world. But during our journey, it was challenging for us, even as pastors, ministers, to be able to keep our own family connected, to keep our kids connected and lead the way. And just want to give you a little vignette about what that was in our journey. And so Kim's going to talk us through that. So thanks for joining us. So our story began when I was in college and Brent was in graduate school studying to be a chaplain. And, you know, you could almost say that boy met girl and boy fell in love with girl. And I have to say that girl fell in love with boy. And then boy and girl got married. And we did. We got married pretty young because I think we, I was only 13 or something like that. Uh, no, we've been married 25 years and that's just amazing. I, when I think back, 25 years, that sounds old, but here we are. But we were really excited about our new journey, being in the Army. You know, we were going to go to all these fantastic places, travel the world, and meet wonderful people. One thing I realized really quickly was that there were many odd and interesting things about the Army life. One is that... Um, that no matter where Brent was, he could be halfway across the world. He could be um, in the field for weeks. He could be playing G.I. Joe in the mud. He could be jumping from helicopters. But we always had a steady paycheck. That was just great. I could always count on that. Even though he wasn't there, I could always count on that. Another thing that I learned really quick was that I needed to be ready because we were going to be moving every two to three years. So we got our orders, and as soon as we landed at our duty station, like... You, you hurry and get the boxes undone because time is ticking. And then as soon as I got into my groove and our family got into our groove, it was time to go. You know, but we knew that that was going to happen. And you know, in the third one, this is the one that just amazes me the most is all those acronyms. So Brent, how was your day? Oh, great, Kim. You know, I went to, the, to PT and then I visited the BX. While I was there, I saw the BN commander and we're talking about our TDY. I'm like, okay, English? <laughs> you know, so I learned really early on what all these acronyms were and, and what they were all about. But six years into our Army career, and I really say R because, you know, we did it together. It was something that he told me about early on, that this is where God was directing him. And, and so I agreed to kind of jump on and, and do it together. But I had my own career, but I was still a part of the Army career. 
But every, everything did change six, six years into it because we started our family. And as Brent started moving up in his career and our, our two kids were getting older, we realized, because he had a lot of duties and responsibilities on Sundays, that our family, the kids and I, needed to get connected into a church. And, and so Brent would, for many years, he would preach to um, soldiers, to basic trainees. And that was just really not an appropriate setting for us to be in. And so we realized, you know, we need to spread our wings. We need to get grounded and get our roots deep into a local church. And so we just decided to do that. I didn't really enjoy worshiping separately. I felt like our family was split on Sunday, the day that we're supposed to be worshiping the Lord together, but that's just what we had to do. But I came up with an idea. The kids and I were going to a local church, and me being the mama bear, you know, I was in with the kids. Wherever they were, I wanted to be. I learned early on that my kids, our kids, were a gift from God. It's my responsibility, our responsibility as a family, to raise them. I'm not going to allow the church to raise them. I'm not going to allow the school to raise them. We are going to raise our children. So, mama bear, okay? I decided to serve where my kids were getting fed. It was the best thing. They loved it in elementary school. At least I think they did. I secretly think that they loved it. Now, when they moved up to middle school, so did I. You know, and I did. I got those moments where like, mother, really? Do you have to be with us all the time? But again, I wanted to know where they were getting fed. I wanted to know what they were getting fed so we could continue those conversations at home. So, you know, one thing I learned, that I'm so glad I made that investment because not only was I there with my kids, but I was also able to invest in other kids. And so our journey, I can tell you, it hasn't been easy. There were many lonely nights. Brent was gone, he was deployed. He was in the field for months. He was on TDY or business trips. He missed a lot of anniversaries, birthdays, special occasions. Our son went to kindergarten. It was me there crying my eyes out all by myself. There were those moments that it was just really lonely. But I have to tell you that we chose early on to get to the one source, the one source that would always remain constant, that would never fail us. And, I, and because of that, our family of four is a very strong and steady unit, and we're all serving God. You see, when I was that mama bear, and I was there serving where my kids were getting fed, they were watching me. They were taking mental notes of what it's like to serve others. And I have to tell you that those experiences that they saw, those moments have shaped them to who they are today. Now, when Brent retired in 2012, we had it all figured out. You know, we had our future figured out. How many of us do that, you know? Just being real, we had it all figured out. But God, he decided in the spring of 2014 to kind of start stirring in our hearts to come back to San Antonio. We had been here before. We had been in this church before. And we didn't know what God was doing. We had no, no inkling. Why San Antonio? But we just willingly did that, packed up all of our stuff and moved here. So I can say that after 13 moves, me working in 10 different school districts, 
us being connected to eight different churches, that we are very thankful to be here at West Silver Hills. We're very thankful. Looking back through our journey of 20 years as a military family, we now have a daughter who's finishing up her first year at Evangel University and will be home this week. I'm so thankful. We have a son who's 15, and let me tell you, if he could live here at the church, he would. He loves serving at Boulevard. He's like Pastor Tito's, one of Pastor Tito's right-hand men. He, he would be here 24-7. But I have to tell you that it's nothing that we did special. It really isn't. But we just learned early on that we really needed to stay connected to him. We needed to connect to our church body, wherever it was all over the world. And we just needed to serve. And so I'm telling you, that because of all that, God has been so faithful, so faithful to us. Amen. All right. Thanks, Kim. Thanks. Yeah, it's great to hear her perspective. She tells it better than I could, too, again, because so, she lived that with the kids, uh, kids more often. But life is a series of choices. We just made choices. You can't necessarily leave it up to fate or for the kids to decide everything. We made choices for our family to be to show up every day. You can't just let your spiritual life happen. We make choices in other areas of life. Why not in our spiritual life? We need to be deliberate and make choices based on God's guidance, the Word, to be able to do that. And, and some people, hey, go ahead, amen. <laughs> amen. You know, some people would say, well, you know, it's easier for you, you know, your minister, a chaplain, you know, your family, you know, just kind of check it off. You know, they're good, they're safe. But you know, when we came here even, you know, we were involved in the church for a couple years before being on staff, and our kids didn't want to go to Boulevard. We let them uh, be in here with us for a few months too, but eventually we had to say, you know, it's time. You need to go get fed, minister to you. We have great youth pastors and a team over there too. And eventually it took, and it was good. But, you know, our kids, they've been moving around a lot too. It's hard to make those connections again. But you have to make that decision. You have to encourage and urge them to be able to do that. And so, again, if we did anything special, that's what it was, just making those choices, being faithful as God has been faithful to us, and, again, giving thanks to what he's done for us. And so I asked you again, are you connected? Are you connected? Where are you on the scale of connectedness? Keep that image in your mind. Think about it this week. I want you to remember it. I want it to stick with you. I want it to stick with you when you make choices about your activities, where you're spending your time, where our priorities. We have to do that still every day of our lives to be able to do that. And this is a challenge today. And maybe there's some decisions you made in the past that were not great decisions, maybe took you down the other end of the scale for a little while too, but it's time to ask for forgiveness. Put those things behind you to be able to move forward acknowledge and accept the wonderful sacrifice that Jesus gave to us. Show your thankfulness by encouraging one another, spurring one another on, meeting together. These are all practical things that are a natural response to God's love, and they have eternal benefits. So let's take time to pray right now as we just contemplate those things and pray for wise decisions. Thank you, Lord Jesus, again for your presence with us. For your power, the power of your word, Lord, that sometimes we make too complicated, but it's right here, very simple, that your word is here as a guide for us. Just help us to make wise decisions, to contemplate, be connected, how to be connected. And if 
Maybe we've made bad decisions in the past. We could have made better decisions. Let us get a new start today, Lord. We ask for forgiveness. We ask for a new start today and wisdom every day to make wise choices. Think how we can get ourselves, our families, our friends closer to doing your will, closer to getting building relationships with others, Lord, that will bring us closer to you. And as always, help us to remember the focus is how we can reach others to know you. And we are filled up, Lord. Help us to have that energy and inspiration through your Holy Spirit to reach others for your kingdom, for your glory, Lord. And we ask all these things, Lord, as you're challenging us today to make yourself real to our hearts. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you so much. So much. Appreciate you being here, too. Share this word with your friends. Study God's word. Make it real for your life. Have a great day. God bless you.